0: Of the word. Beloved, now uh, please open your Bibles to uh, to 1 Corinthians, the epistle of Paul to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're just going to look at, at one verse, uh, verse 31. And uh, it'll be helpful, I think, if you look at the context. The, the context is one of um, the immediate context you'll see is one of. Of some uh, disagreement among brothers uh, because of their various backgrounds, some coming out of uh, the, the Jewish, the Hebrew faith, still have not got a lot of confidence uh, in the liberty that Christians have uh, with regard to, to drink and meat. Others are uh, they have come out of idolatry, uh, Gentile crass idolatry, where uh, Meats and and other things are are used for offerings to pagan gods, pagan deities. Uh, these meats sometimes are they can be available at a at a discount <laughs> if you know how to buy them from the right uh, idolatrous wholesaler, uh, who is annexed to the idolatrous priests and their idolatrous altars. Uh, but divisions uh, in the church and misunderstandings are are easy. And Corinth was no stranger to divisions. So we'll speak about that in a second, but I want to read to you the um, uh, Paul Paul's antidote, Paul, Paul's recipe for for peace and uh, for uh, a, a wise course of action to proceed in the future without giving specific to two specific directions to anybody in particular. So the verse And before us is 1 Corinthians 10 and verse uh, 31. Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And it goes on and says, Don't don't give offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God, etc. But in your own heart, determine, that is to say, resolve. That whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all in the glory of God. That's the word of God for us today. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you that you guide us in every way. You provide uh, the sun in the sky during the day, the moon and the stars, and lesser authorities and powers at night. You guide us by the light of your word in the spirit. Pray, Lord, that as you have given us light, that we would receive all the light and that we would follow your light as your light is good. And we pray, Lord, that as we see your glory in all of these commandments and all the teachings, that we would rejoice for we serve a great God and greatly to be praised. And we, we desire to see you more clearly and know you even better. Answer us, Lord, and with, 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 with your spirit and with, with unction as we preach, as we listen. May your church hear your voice and rejoice, for you are our God and our Savior, through Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we've come to uh, the, the conclusion of another year. Out goes 2023 and comes 2024. Many people uh, have it as a custom not only to eat black-eyed peas in the South, but uh, to make resolutions. Now, one of the reasons, nobody tells you, um, that you fail in your resolutions. Is that not that you chose the wrong ones. I'm sure you chose some good ones. Uh, or not that you uh, didn't buy a, the, the right day planner, you know, and you, you need to log these things. They tell you various reasons why you're not. Accountability, all this stuff. All these things are human resources and uh, and tools. But the real reason that uh, we um, fail in these matters, in these good matters, is that we We really don't have as much power as we think we have. (laughs) In fact, the Lord Jesus, when it comes to our spiritual walk, uh, he's taught us that we can do nothing without him. Uh, And uh, I I hope that doesn't come as a shock to you. Uh, But if you resolve anything, uh, you will certainly fail if you're you're leaning on your own strength. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to fail if you resolve anything but the Revealed will of God. You have no business uh, setting about a purpose that is um, cl- antithetical or against or in, con- or in conflict with the will of God. If you if you do if you resolve something unholy or for selfish gains, yeah, then uh, God will do you the favor of uh, if you're His child, He will do you the favor of ensuring that you will certainly fail, and you need to thank Him for that discipline. Because you don't want to grow up to be your own best selfish pig, all right? Left to do, left to ourselves, that's that's what happens. We go on a course, and uh, we get comfortable. Uh, we we are pleased with ourselves. We become proud, and um, <clears throat> this is not the way of the righteous. Now here in Corinth, uh, we have uh, an unusual. It's, it's, it appears there's an unusual uh, Christian church and, uh, because of this reason, because there's these, these people, our, our brothers here in Corinth, were so gifted. They were, they were amazingly gifted, especially with prophetic gifts and uh, <clears throat> uh, on, you know, spiritual languages and all manner of things that seem strange to us. But uh, in all their giftedness, they were very, very divided. And uh, as Paul comes out in this epistle, he's quick to point out that the real concern is all these divisions, some follow Apollos, some follow Cephas, some follow Paul. And and thank God some are even following Christ. You know, this is amazing. What a mix-up. Well, of course, that's, that's how the schools of philosophy used to be in Greece, right? Everyone had their teacher and mentor and everybody... You know, who do you belong to? Oh, I belong to You know, Oh, yes, I was a fine teacher, but I belong to Zeus. Oh, you know. On it goes. Divisions in the church. Boasting in gifts. This is a carnal church. All right, the Christians, Paul, uh, you know, gives them this charitable judgment, benefit of the doubt, until they prove otherwise, until they prove otherwise, until they utterly reject the gospel, pervert it, and cast away every apostle that makes any sense, but they, uh, you know, they are uh, a carnal church. That's to say that they appear to be um, expressing more of the flesh, and the flesh seems to be trumping the spirit in everything they do. And everything they do, the, the, there's a there's a smell of flesh rather than the anointing of Christ. The aroma of Christ is, is missing here. It smells like a meat market in here for the flesh. They've even forgotten in all their giftedness and in all their prophecy and all that they got, guess what they forgot, some of them? The doctrine of the resurrection. I mean, every week, the Lord's Day, that's what—that's what they, that's why they were there, and they had just forgotten that. And so, hey, look, and you can have a lot of giftedness, but you can lack wisdom profoundly. Yeah, you can be very impressive, but you can be very low on wisdom. No resurrection? Come on. If if there's no resurrection, we don't have any business meeting. Let's, Let's all go back to, you know, whatever we were doing before. Paul corrects this in one verse. If we would understand it, this would aid all churches and ourselves very, very much. And, uh, and it would it would it would compel us to consecrate ourselves every moment of every waking hour of every day we need this verse and it was the capstone of the of the protestant reformation what what are we doing here what what are we doing in the church other than glorifying god and from the least thing that we do to the greatest thing we do so the proposition here is that your highest purpose in life must be to glorify God in Christ Jesus at all times, by all means. And that is the scope of which all we think and speak and do should tend. If we can purpose one thing that envelops all purposes, that will enrich all of life in every way, and all things be subordinate to, and not only that, even in our failing to do this, because we can confess every day, Lord, we have not eaten and drank to your own glory. But especially when we fail and confess it and return to God, he will ensure that whatever good intentions is there, he'll make it, he'll credit it to us. And in the end, we will be known in that judgment, we will be known to have glorified God and every thought, word, and deed, and at every meal, whether we eat, drink, whatever we do. He will credit that to us because our hearts really want and wish that and our affections are right in Christ, and we do sometimes do it. And he takes pleasure in that. So this is one New Year's resolution to cover all bases. And if you're a Christian in Christ, you confess your failings, You understand what the the, the, the whole sweep of what this commandment means. And you trust the Lord for grace to observe it. When you don't, you confess it. In the end, he'll he'll put it to your credit. You will be known as those who glorify God. And and let's examine what this means. What does it mean that our highest purpose in life must be to glorify God in Jesus Christ in all times, by all means. What does that mean? And what is the scope, then, of which all we think, all we speak, all of our affections should be about? First of all, here's a definition. To glorify God, what? What does it mean? It means to declare God, or to show forth that God is glorious. That's what to glorify God means. God is not capable of any additional glory. He is infinitely glorious. And God gains no advantage and no increase, no increment of glory by us giving him glory. He gains nothing by it. Not a better reputation, not a better name, nothing. Man is benefited in every way by glorifying God. The commandment is for us. You might think, well, God is certainly selfish. Well, how, how is it? That, is this conceit that someone should always seek to be glorified by everyone? But he's the creator, and we're the creature, and the creature has benefited in every way because he's made by a, an infinitely glorious God. God is glorified when his glory is declared or shown forth. Okay? All creatures, necessarily, by their being a creature, the work of God, glorify God. Now, nature without a... a they, they, these animals don't have souls, they don't have, uh, they're not under God as to a law for obedience, they don't sin. But uh, all men, whether they know God or not, whether they name Christ or not, do glorify God passively because even as we spoke of this morning, the wicked doing very wickedly and persecuting God's ambassadors and they fill up the cup of God's wrath that is to the glory of God's immaculate justice, which he doesn't compromise. Well, God will be glorified in, by his mercy. God will be glorified in his equity of justice. God is glorified in, in everyone, everything that is created, the moon, the stars, the oceans. As we sang in one hymn, whether we have a stormy sea or a calm sea, a stormy, a stormy clouds or a calm, calm sailing, all things glorify God passively. Our interest as rational creatures in the image of God is to know God, to recognize his voice and, uh, and uh, since we are capable of glorifying God actively by his word and spirit that we are to do so. In other words, we distinguish ourselves from every other creature because only a Christian through the mediatorship of Christ can glorify God Actively, intentionally, in a planned way. He does this in his heart by glorifying God in your spirit, First Corinthians 6.20. By his lips, Psalm 50, verse 23, whosoever offers me praise glorifies me. By his life, Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. These are just some of the ways that man is capable of of glorifying god actively and since he can as a christian uh, and if he's a christian he he delights to do this this is uh, this is the affection in the inner man and it's not to say that there's something in there in your flesh that resists this uh, sometimes when we put in a, into difficult providences it's hard to say lord your will be done uh, that, that that is obvious from reading the scriptures the saints Well, wrestle with God. Jacob wrestled with God, but he won a name by it, (laughs) and he called his name no longer Jacob, but Israel. He wrestled with God and he prevailed. God gave him grace to prevail. But to glorify God means to declare God to be glorious. Second point of the sermon. The scriptures teach that God's glory is man's chief end. That's what the scriptures teach. it is what God aimed at in creating man. For from him and through him and to him are all things. All oh, the depths of both the wisdom of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his ways past finding out. It is the purpose of man as God's best work. Uh, you know, we go outside and we see I, I, I was I was in I was in the Keys and I, I'm looking at the constellation Orion and the nebulae and I'm going, how vast, how vast, the works of God and that's my Heavenly Father. Brilliant stars bejeweled against a a completely dark sky, no moon yet out. I was tarpon fishing, but I I looked I I set that aside. I couldn't believe the beauty of the sky, and yet God pronounced all that good and man very good huh. this is not to flatter his creature man man is capable of glorifying god in a way that no other creature is and so ecclesiastes 7:29 says that god has made man upright oh that's great god made man upright oh yeah but he's 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 sought many devices he sought many inventions he sought many ways to entertain himself, to fascinate himself, besides fascinating himself with God. And that's our folly. That's foolishness. But the original purpose, of course, is that we might look at all of his works and say, God is, God is immeasurably great. My soul knows it well. It is what every man should aim at in all that he does. That's what our text teaches. David said in Psalm 16, I have set the Lord continually before me. Of course, Psalm 16 expresses the mind of Christ. It speaks that the, the Lord Father will not allow his beloved to see corruption. So that was the mind of Christ. He always sought, not only sought the Lord, but he always sought his father's presence before him. That's why he said to the Jews, My Father works continually, and I I just I just follow what he's doing on the Sabbath. Oh, he got in trouble for that one. Man has many subordinate ends. We need to say that that's not wrong. It's not wrong to have some means that are they're not ends, but they're subordinate ends, so they really become means. What do you mean by that? Well, just in the fact of his being. Man is glorious because he's God's viceroy. Psalm 8, if you were just, you know, rehearse that tonight. What is man? That you give thought of him, the son of man, that you visit him. You crown him with with glory and majesty. You make him a little lower than than the angels. All right? There is a glory to man. I know, I know, when it's crowded in H-E-B and you're in a long line in the checkout aisle, you want to dispense with men. <laughs> but, my friends, you cannot discount. It, they seem to be everywhere and they seem to be uh, populated. There's no end to man. They're common as dust or worse. Let don't let the commonality of man or the frequently of you citing them tempt you to think that they are of no use, as if they it was a supply-demand curve in the market. We're not talking Chicago economics here. We're talking about theology. God's viceroy. Do you look at your neighbor that way? Understanding and governing God's creation. I have lots of examples there. We 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 dam up rivers so that the towns don't flood. All right. We we save the rainfall for when there's dry seasons. We dam up rivers and lakes. And we, we purify our water from all manner of uh, parasites and pathogens. and we, we help one another with diseases. We begin to understand pathogens and, and human health. We govern, we govern the creation under God. And this just takes understanding and discernment. And all of these things also... We can call all of these subordinate ends lawful callings. You can work at a bank and handle money all day long and not be guilty of the love of money of money which is the root of all evils. You can handle money and not be the servant of money. The medieval church thought differently. they would only get they' would only give the Jews, banking jobs. It's a horrible superstition, as if money was beneath it, but everybody used money, so it was done in hypocrisy. But all of this is a lawful calling. Accounting, is, finance is a lawful accounting. A stockbroker, to my knowledge, I think it's still a lawful calling. A politician, I know, I know, I know. A lawyer, a uh, lawyer, lawful calling. Okay? Doctors. Oh, there's so many charlatans. Lawful calling. Pastor. Oh, there's so many imposters. Lawful calling. These are lawful callings. You can glorify God in these subordinate ends. You can study, go to school, you can apply yourself, learn your trade, be a good wood, uh, wood, uh, worker. You can be a good gardener. You can. All of these things are lawful callings. You can be a singer, church, pianist, whatever you want to do. But there are unlawful callings. You cannot, you cannot go against God's essential moral purity and be involved as a human being in a calling that viciously portrays man as emerging out of the abyss, rather than out of the spirit of God. Okay, and there are plenty of callings Vicious prostitution, drug, illicit drug sales, bank robber. What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pirate. <laughs> really? Pirate. Now you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to glorify God actively in any unlawful calling. But you will glorify God passively when he pronounces sentence on you because you will be shown to be inferior to his power and authority and governance at the last day. Now man has really only one ultimate end. He he may have subordinate ends. He may have more than one. You can be a good housewife and you might run for city commissioner and have a garden. Subordinate ends. But there's only one ultimate end to glorify God. In all your actions, no matter how grand, grandiose they are or how simple, how trite, you may think they're trite let's washing the dishes, it's fine. You can do that to the glory of God. Simple, common, nothing more simple and common with eating and drinking. What kind of religion is this? There's not, I don't see anything fantastic about this religion. You mean your religion, your God accept, accepts this as worship? Yeah. Yes, because God gives food and merry hearts buy it. God gives drink and merry hearts buy it. God gives fellowship at the table and friendship and love and true and affection. That's fine. But the pagan religions are the ones that are ornate and have to do something stupendous like a a long trip to Mecca every once in a while. Yeah, I'm going to do something stupendous because God is a stupendous drug. God. In all our actions, eating, drinking—we eat and drink for health, and not and not to be luxuriating. Now, this is not a, a, a bacarella, as they call it. Is that right, bacarella? we uh, wine, a wine fest, a drunken wine fest. We do it for friendship. We do it for companionship, for charity. Invite your. Invite the poor, or the lame, the blind, whatever. But you don't have to do that. If, if, if you get a good meal and you delight, you know, I tell Susie all the time, I'll never get tired of eating these good organic eggs for breakfast. I mean, I just love eggs for breakfast. I, I stop and say, this is, look at the color here. Look the, I love these things. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I know I'm a very simple person, but that's what I do. It must be our end in every act to intelligently, reasonably, intelligently and intentionally, by design, to work to glorify God, not for the mere pleasure of eating. Because Paul condemns it in Second uh, Timothy three four. Says, Hey, you know, they're, they're, they're pleasure seekers, <coughs> and they're sensual. Now, all these things affect our senses, but we, we don't we don't maximize our interests and sensuality. We're not here to maximize our pleasure. Solomon tried that. He said, this is in vain, man. I'm just getting tired. How many wives? How many what? How many whys have I got? This is tiring. You can have the same one and the same action. Like at the time, uh, one of our friends, Andy, I won't give you his last name, guess, he, he invited me, hey, our, our restaurant here in our neighborhood association serves prime, prime beef on Friday nights. Would you like to? I said, I don't know. I, I, don't, I guess it's good. I don't know if I like prime beef. I've never tried it. I really had never tried prime beef in my life. I'm used to, I'm used to different cuts as a Cuban. We, 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 we eat palomillo cuts and stuff like that. We don't do prime beef. We don't know what that is. So I went over there, and one in the same action, we're eating the meat and we're drinking the wine to accompany the meat. Some will eat that for their own pleasure, and some will greatly marvel at God who gives us taste buds and good nutrition. There's iron in that meat. Next day I woke up, Andy calls me, "How do you feel, Luke?" Because I ate a lot. How do you feel, man? Andy, I feel great. I don't know when I eat steak like that. I don't know. I think it's the iron in that meat, man. I feel great. Praise the Lord. The same action. One has affection and thankfulness to God. The other is completely indifferent. A hallmark of the pagan is thanklessness to God. The hallmark of a Christian is thankfulness to God. And the hallmark of a consistent Christian is consistent thankfulness. Romans 1. There's no greater purpose to be served in all our actions but God's glory. We eat to refresh our bodies for health, strength, why do we need strength? To serve God. <laughs> yeah, in our subordinate callings and at worship. Have you ever noticed it takes energy to sing? Maybe you guys aren't expending a lot of energy when you sing. But you know it takes energy to sing? Open your mouths. Use your chest. It takes posture. It takes breath. You're, you're an organ. Sing with all your strength. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And with all your strength, serve the God in the strength he provides you. There's something great to be said about that. One and the same action, eating and drinking. The inclination of the heart determines the pitch to heaven or hell. There greater, no greater purpose than to be served in all our actions with God's glory. We exercise. Why? So we look in the mirror. Okay, yeah, subordinate end. No, so we can work. I got a weightlifting manual that says the purpose of exercise and building muscle is to move. Oh, I need to move. You need to move? Well, you might consider exercise. If you need to move, be strong, be flexible, develop some balance. Exercise in order to work, to serve, to sing again. <laughs> That's a lot of work to sing, guys. We believe and serve God not merely to be spared from hell hey, this is not about an insurance policy this is uh, the earnest of the Holy Spirit is not an annuity from heaven that you be spared wrath it's much more than that. It involves enjoying God already in the present age and perfectly enjoying him in the age to come. We believe and serve God diligently not to be saved. Because whatever we do in Christ's name, he does for us and in us. Our, the reason we do anything is to glorify God and to lift up the cup of his salvation and give thanks to, to the Lord. Because he's, he, he's the one that's done all for us on our behalf and is doing all in us. So why be diligent? Uh, because it's right. And, it's, and you, you, want, you want the Lord to be glorified. That's your instinct as a Christian. That's the new man coming out. Now, do you glorify God in this way? A lot of people use men, mentors and friends at work, as stepping stones in their career. Well, I think I'll keep this job for three years, and then, you know, I'm going to... Hey guys, I'm only here for a couple of years. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for a bigger church. I want to get ordained... Maybe serve a church in East Houston or something for a while. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to apply for a church somewhere else. A you know, better salary, uh, build up my, my resume, whatever. Is it a stepping stone? Eh, pastors do that. Stepping stone. Are you using God as a stepping stone? Is, this a, is Christ a stepping stone, a stepping stone to heaven, or is He your ultimate? Is He your purpose? Is He, is he heaven to you now? Is He your inheritance and in your lot? Is he your glory and your reward? Righteousness is your own reward, my friends. Well, I don't know. If I like righteousness, then you don't like Christ. Christ is all your righteousness. you got to determine, do you glorify God as a stepping stone, as insurance to avoid hell for your own safety? That's, you missed. Point number three, the great work then in your life is to glorify God. Isaiah 43:21, "This people have I formed for myself, that they show forth my praise. If, if you are growing in the knowledge of God and are better and better at praising God, for all that He is, all that He's re- revealed himself to be, as mysterious as that sounds in the ears of, of non-Christians, but certainly the language of heaven is compatible. The angels know and see and they wonder that, they, that you are rejoicing in mysteries. These doctrines are not exercises in geometry and in philosophy. These exercises are glorious because they're praiseworthy. All of your natural actions are to portray (coughs) this glory. Eating, sleeping, sleeping. Has it ever occurred to you that you need sleep? I mean, even my little—I'm—I'm I'm growing these little plants. I got a little—I'm a timer. I need to give them a, a night rest because plants do some things when there's no light, and they do some other things when there is light. And if you just give them all light, they're, they're not going to grow. And in fact, many plants will die if you just give them all light. Especially aquatic plants—they just melt. Eating, sleeping, walking, walking. <laughs> Well, yeah, anything with an I-N-G, it's an active verb. We are under a law in all things. Has it occurred to you that you're free in Christ, but you're free in the Spirit to worship and glorify God? And that has certain parameters. And this is one teaching that has a wholesome, a wholesome umbrage over all things. I mean, if you don't want to be under this law, you certainly don't want to be under Christ. Again, not as a law unto salvation to keep it perfectly. I've already mentioned this. We're going to strive. We're going to fail. Some things we hit. A few, you know, we, we 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 succeed in some in some some marginal ways. We fail mostly. When we confess and yearn, hunger and thirst for, for righteousness, the Lord. Is promised that we will be filled. We are under law in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, but as the law that is in Christ, knowing that he provides for and in us all things. In all our civil actions, working with our at work, our hands, at school, buying and selling, all these are very common. They're charged with purpose. They're subordinate ends. People do very well with subordinate ends. The Lord blesses their work. That's fine. He's blessing their work. It's up to Him to bless or not, to give or to withhold. That's all good. But especially in all your religious actions, you need to be more intentional in praying. Pray intelligently. Praying for the things that delight God. It should not be. It should not be just a. With, with, you need you need to have some you need to have some science you need to have some you need to have some order you have to some direction you have to use a format what is God interested in in prayer how might I delight God how can I glorify God by working with the Spirit and asking those things and especially as I love this expression by Richard Sims by Richard Sims when one prays for all. All are benefited. When all pray for one, that one is benefited. That's that's the beautiful thing about fellowship in the church. That's fellowship. Especially in prayer, we have fellowship. Now the whole course of our life must be directed to the glory of God. Uh, we do this when we walk according to God's word and his spirit. He provides his word and his spirit, not to swerve from it in any way. You're not being overly religious. You're not being a Pharisee when you make finer and finer distinctions as to what is light and what is darkness. You are following the course of all the ancients of all the wise men. So I don't understand why anybody would call somebody who's interested in living a holy life exactingly to God a derogative term. When God's will is the reason as well as the rule of our actions, then, then we're beginning to understand what this commandment means and beginning to enjoy some of the blessing of it. Do you, or do you not understand the blessing of those who keep God's commandment? Let me just say, this is apart from my notes. If any man obey my words, said Jesus, my father and I will come to him and we will dwell with, we will dwell with him. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to be saved by commandment-keeping, but we, what he's going to say is the Lord is, draws near an intimate friendship with those who are serious in pleasing him because we have his heart. Don't let anybody fool you into thinking that's legalism or, or, or some kind of a, a new, a new you know, law-keeping or something. No! That's Jesus saying no, we'll, we, we draw close to God. He'll draw close to you. That's what it means. When we believe a truth, not just as an academic exercise, but because God has said it in Christ. We obey because we are the sons of God and we love His voice, and we see that this is right and good and pleasing to Him. And that's the difference between evangelical obedience as a son and legal obedience as a slave. A slave can be driven to obedience with a bullwhip. And sometimes that whip will have that guy looking more obedient than the son. But the son is still free, but he's forgiven. The slave will never be forgiven for anything. So don't think that these commandments are whips. All right? Believe the truth, believe the commandment, because God has said it. That's evangelical obedience. Your Savior, your Lord, your Redeemer has said, your elderly brother, the one who knows your flesh and is intimate with all your ways, he gives you this instruction. When we do a duty because God has commanded it, we don't sin, but we don't keep it merely because he's commanded it as a commandment. Don't you know that most religions of the world have commandments, and most of them are fine with the 10, but they don't keep it in an evangelical way as a son would in the house forever. Now, if you don't do this, and everything we do, we sin, we miss. And furthermore, whatever is being done by it, we lose, we lose our labor in it. The Lord will not regard it as right labor. You mean, you mean all my tithing? I haven't been tithing by faith with the love of my heart? All these years and it's all gone? Well, you know, the way, the way to restore the years of the locust is to confess that you've been selfish even in your tithing. And that you've been doing because there's a blessing for it and you want to cash in somewhere. There's a pot at the end of that rainbow, you think. Or you think that's what Malachi was saying. You're going to cash in. No You're doing it for selfish ends. Well, one way to get back the money that you've lost, the locust, your own flesh is consumed, is to repent. Confess it, and God will make it up. He'll restore what the old locust has consumed over the years. But you lose your labor until you come to your senses. All that we do must be done in faith, by faith, trusting that God in Christ is our helper. And even when things are arduous, our helper gives us comfort, and so he's our comfort. This is the Holy Spirit. And that's why we are not going to fail in this resolution in 2024. We're just not going to fail, because God is our help and our strength, an ever-present help (laughs) in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. That the whole world cave in. Without faith, though, even the good things that we attempt to do displease God. We're not dependent on Him. We're not showing forth His truth as it is in Christ. And so, therefore, good things done without trust and faith in Christ by His graces and gifts and the Holy Spirit are unlawful. Though to the world and to every hypocrite it looks absolutely brilliant. What a good man. This is a good man. Let's give him an award. It is not self-glory, however, it's not not sinful to seek honor and glory and a good name among other people and before God. It's not selfish to work out your life in order that you might hear the Lord say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's not so. It's not... It's not not vain and it's not conceitedness to excel in every way in order to help others and serve others more strongly and to show forth Christ more brightly in your life. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I know most of us have found him by accident. But that doesn't mean that now that we have found him that he's going to continue to come to us if we're half-hearted and lukewarm. Don't make that mistake. He's not that kind of sovereign God and he's no companion of those who hate him. It is never vanity or sin to do God's will to seek him diligently. Finally, God is is the principle of all things. He's the first, and he must then be the last. That is to say the purpose for all things. He's alpha, and therefore he's omega. God is creator, and he is the preserver, he's the benefactor, he is the savior God is I am which tells you that he's he's not changing he's everywhere and so he's self-sufficient and man is completely unself-sufficient man is completely dependent on God and when we substitute any other higher purpose than to declare this truth and this glory we make an idol we make gods to ourselves these subordinate ends become then unlawful. To make any creature, listen to this, to make a, any creature to be the center in its own purposes, and that God should be subservient, that God, God, should be a means to that, the creature's pleasure, is blasphemous. Any creature that wants to be at the center of the universe and, has, and uses God as a means for his own desires, to, gra- to ingratiate his own purposes, whether they be lawful or not, is blasphemous. John eight fifty. Even Jesus, who was glorious and sinless, who had all wisdom, see what he says, I do not seek my own glory, there is one who seeks it. He's talking about the Father in heaven. And he is the judge, because the Jews were not given him the glory. If Jesus did not seek his own glory, being the Son of God, how is it that a sinful and ignorant, weak, dependent, corrupted creature, such as man, can possibly seek preeminent glory? And with every ounce of of strength, and every minute of his waking day. Every breath of life that God grants him, every, every heartbeat that God has given him, he uses for his own vain ascent. That is Lucifer. That is the pride of that angel. I get to conclude then. Your highest purpose in life must be to glorify God in Jesus Christ at all times and by all means. And this is the scope of what all we think, all we speak, and all we should do. Ask yourself then, why am I doing this particular thing? You know, in, in Presbytery, when a man is first being ordained, he's examined as to his motives. He gives testimony of his Christian experience, and then he's asked, why are you pursuing this call? Why are you going into the ministry? You know what? That's the most important question he'll ever be asked. That's the hardest question to answer. God help us all. It's the the answer that we're most likely to be deceived because our own heart deceives us. Our churches deceive us. Why are we doing anything? Why am I thinking this way? Why Why am I saying this? To live for any other ultimate purpose is to miss your purpose to living. If you're living for any other thing than to worship God and to glorify Him, your life is wasted. You've missed. That's what sinning means. Your soul is forfeited. You forfeit your, your, your being, your soul, unless you repent. You're deceived to to think that life means living apart from the glory of God. And you need to repent. If you seek to save your life, you lose it. Jesus does not answer your prayer or benefit you in order for you to serve your own passions, your own interests, your own reputation. He's not going to allow you. Well, no, no, he will. He'll give you over to your lust and allow you to use him apparently as a stepping stone. But that's by a great amount of hardening in your own life. A great amount of hardening in your heart. You must humble yourself and take up your cross and follow Christ. Lawful things then are made unlawful depending on this attitude or for any other reason other than to glorify God. At worship, will you receive the word of God meekly, humbly? Will you receive the word of God in love as he asks you to? Worship is not to serve the taste, the mores. This is not to serve the interests of of man uh, outside of what God prescribes. I told you in the beginning of the service, he addresses us as heavenly beings. We We have to be in check with the worship of heaven. That's where we are before the throne. And if that's not what we're doing, then we're not worshiping. We have missed, even at worship. And Christian worship, we missed. Much of today's worship is not scriptural. It's man-centered, and it does not glorify God. It's, it's, you know, the evangelical churches are, are chocked with doctrinal errors or, or omissions from teaching the full counsel of God. You can err passively by not teaching the whole counsel. You can err actively by teaching falsehood. Sinners are flattered. Worship is, uh, capitulates to carnal tastes, ceremonialism, which is dead, 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 with the temple. Pageantry it has nothing to do with pleasing God, but they please. They please the sense of man's aesthetics. Oh, we, you know, there's a there's a loveliness here. When I step in here, I feel I feel a holiness. Well, how do you feel holiness? Uh, is there is, is God giving you a promise? Do you see Christ more brightly? Oh no, no! It's just that this place has a holiness to it. Omitting scriptural teaching, hating correction and rebuke, we're in the wrong. We're in the wrong institution. That's the charter of the Bible: correction, <laughs> rebuke, training in righteousness. Man, we have wow! We we've gotten on the wrong bus. We're going west instead of east. We got the wrong bus. Engaging worship unprepared, unrepentant, without faith. All vain. You lose your labor. You lose your breath. Not approving, disliking, speaking against God's holy ordinances, wishing they were different, wishing maybe they were more complicated, wishing we had more pageantry but especially, you know, hey, that preaching, oh boy, I bought you too like this. Awful preaching. Awful preaching. Instead of being under the word, you you like to critique. You despise preaching. And that's plainly condemned in the scriptures. Do not do not despise preaching. Have you subordinated all things to God's glory? Is God preeminent? Is God preeminent? Is he the first thing you think of in, the, in your day, unless you're providentially hindered? Is, is it the first thing that when you have a moment, you return to? Have you set God perennially forever, always in your presence? Psalm 16. I set before the Lord before me at all times. There's safety in Paul's command to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord. Always I say uh, rejoice. There's, I don't mind repeating myself, says Paul, and there's all your safety in that. Why? Because the Lord is with you. The God of Jacob is your stronghold. We have Emmanuel. Plenty of reasons to rejoice. Have you supported all things? Is God preeminent? What about the Lord's day? Is it a day of delight? Is it the Lord's day or is it the Lord's morning? Or have you given tribute to the National Football League? You know, they rain on Sunday. They say, yeah, this day is ours. Uh, They're they're going to have their wings clipped, I'm afraid. Oh, it's a family day. No, the Lord has given us a, you know, our daily bread. Thank you very much. And now it's time to capitalize on the family, because the Lord loves family. It's the Lord's day. You give Him tribute, you give Him the worship, publicly and privately. Praying and awaiting Christ's kingdom. Are you anxiously awaiting the return of your Savior? Or are you sleepy? Are you so much in love with the present world that you say, well, Lord, I you know, I got, I mean, I got a vacation plans, I, I got retirement plans. Will you obey all of Jesus' teaching? Will you forgive and even be reconciled to your brother who's estranged from you? Will you forgive those, will you forgive those who 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 treat you spitefully and slap you or spit on you? Do you more and more abound in the love of your brothers in the church? Because they're brothers in Christ, and be and for the sake of Christ, will you glorify Christ in this manner? To acknowledge Christ in your brother graciously, even as Paul acknowledges them as saints in Corinth. Wow, that's a reach, but there you have it will you attend call, God's call to worship because it's the Lord who calls you to worship? I mean, uh, even the, the Hebrews had two, two sacrifices on, on, on the Sabbath, the morning and the evening. Sac- are they to be more pious than we are? We close out the day as, as bookends because that's a very convenient reminder. This is the Lord's day. Your choice of career, vacation, retirement. Soul, take your ease. You've worked hard. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to put all my weed in here, and I'm just going to, man, I'm just going to, I'm just going to just enjoy life. I'm just going to take time for myself here. Really? Fool. This day, this very night, your soul is required of. All that we has not done to the Lord's glory will be as chaff, as hay, as stubble in judgment. It will burn. So be watchful. Watch your hearts. The struggle is in your hearts. Be watchful for your full reward. So I, 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 I'm listening to this. I, I'm really in despair now because I have blown it. All my life I've just been using Christianity. Well. That's a great confession. Confess, the Lord will forgive you and make up the years that the locust has has eaten. And you will be regarded as pure as a lily and wise as Solomon and better dressed than he is when he appears. Because you've realized that you've been a fool. And Christ, your prophet, has made you wise in the fear of God. And that's what we need to be. That's how we glorify God, in the wisdom that Christ provides for us, in the righteousness that Christ provides for us, in in the redemption that Christ provides for us. That's how we glorify God. Let's pray. Lord, all the earth is yours, the fullness thereof, and we are yours. (laughs) We are utterly foolish to live as though that were not the case. that our eyes would always be upon you, that the word would be our shield fore and aft, that your mercy and your truth would follow us all the days of our life, and we might know that we will dwell in the house of our God every Lord's day and forever. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing our last anthem. Shepherd like a, Savior like a shepherd, lead us, 599.